He surveyed 100 paralegals and lawyers, and what they said is 70% said that most of the time spent in litigation is spent on written discovery. So not complaints, not trials, not depositions. Most of their time, vast majority, most of their time is spent on written discovery. So we take something that normally takes, you know, 10 hours, eight to 10 hours of work, and now it takes one to two hours of work. Welcome to the Tip the Scales podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of Law Inc. This week, Patrick Shaw joins me. I always mess up his name, so I hope I got that right. And he is the founder of Esquire Tech. And what Esquire Tech can do for you guys is make the discovery process much easier using AI. Now, I'm very, very picky about having other vendors on this podcast because I don't want this to be a sales pitch and this is not a pay-for-play type of podcast or anything like that. I've known Patrick for a while and a lot of our clients use Esquire Tech and they have nothing but great things to say about it. So I thought, why not? Let's have him come on and tell you guys about it. So as you guys know, AI is already transforming the legal space companies like Esquire Tech and EvenUp are already utilizing this technology to make life easier for lawyers. And many other companies are working on similar software. But far from killing the legal industry, Pratik believes AI can free up lawyers' time to expand the cases they take on. Now, you guys have to remember that while AI can be a powerful asset, you do have to be careful with it. Programs like ChatGPT have clauses specifying that the information you give them will be stored and used to train the programs, and you need to limit how you use the program to ensure that you aren't compromising client confidentiality. I really hope you guys enjoy this podcast. We talked a lot about AI, which I know is such a hot topic right now. We want to offer our listeners an exclusive deal. Right now, you can visit lawrank.com slash report to get a free competitor performance report. The report will include your top five digital competitors and how they're performing in your market, how you measure up to your competitors in the top three metrics, and that is referring domains, content, and monthly traffic, and a local SEO report. And this is a visual, it's a map, and this is tracking your Google business profile, and it's gonna show you how you rank within a one mile radius. Again, all all you have to do is go to lawrank.com slash report. We will also be putting this in the show notes. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Esquire Tech and the associate director of litigation at Panache Boyle Ravaputi. Are you a lawyer? I am a lawyer. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm licensed in California and Nevada. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. So let's get straight to it because I know a lot of our clients use, use your services. Yeah. But I don't even really understand what it is that you guys do and how you can help. Yeah, thanks. Um, so Esquire Tech is a software that helps firms automate the written discovery process. So anytime a lawsuit's filed, the two sides have to exchange information about the case, whether it's a personal injury case or a family law case or anything. And what happens is there's a certain process and rules that have to be followed in that exchange of information. It's manual, it's tedious, paralegals spend hours doing it, and so our software helps speed that up. Is it AI? It is. We use artificial intelligence and machine learning to teach our, sop or to teach our um, software how to properly read the documents, extract questions, and apply certain objections and answers. That sounds amazing. Oh, thanks. I didn't come up with that. I just came up with the idea. My CTO and co-founder, who's really brilliant, put it together. How did you come up with the idea? 
I really, really hate discovery. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really, I, you know, I had my own firm and I started off as a solo. I did it all by myself and I really hated it. And the only reason I wanted to hire people was so they could do it. Um, and then they really hated it. And like, it's the thing that's slowing our cases down the most. And so I thought there had to be a solution. There had to be something out there. We tried to outsource it to a different country that didn't really work. And so I couldn't find anything. So then I said, you know what? I'm just going to go partner up and build it. Okay. That's awesome. How long have you guys been doing this? Cause you guys kind of came in out of nowhere and like blew up really quickly. Uh, well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would say that, but I appreciate that. We launched at the end of 2020. Okay. And so. yeah, and we've been growing fast. Um, a lot of it's been word of mouth, right? A lot of our clients just, they end up, a lot of the like people that come to our website and in the how did you hear about us, they say another lawyer, friend, firm. Um, and so that's helped a lot. Yeah, so my listeners know or should know that I'm really selective with having vendors on. And it's Thanks. rare that yeah. I have a vendor on. Yeah. Um, but... And you know that I checked with some of our clients yeah. to make sure that they were happy before I invited you on. No offense, like I know you no, and I no, are friends, but no, it's good to check. Um, so tell us a little bit about how it works. How much does it cost? Yeah, um, it, is it hard to use? Is it hard to implement? Um, what's the type of feedback that you're getting? Yeah, great question. So the number one thing that was important to me as a lawyer, because I'm not the most, you know. Everybody assumes I'm tech savvy because we have this tech company, mm -hmm. but I hate learning new tech. And I'm the same way. Yeah. And so uh, I wanted it to be simple. And all I kept telling my CTO the whole time is like, I just want to click a button and I want this to happen. And I want to click a button. I want this to happen. And I don't want to have to do all this crazy stuff. And so that's been the mantra in as we build out new features, as we built the product is it's got to be quick to learn and easy to use. Um, and, and then what we care about second to that is adoption. Right, it's one thing to be kind of a sales-led company and just say, "Hey, let's go out and just get more sales and get more sales." And um, versus, we we kind of see ourselves as an adoption-led company. Is that we really focus on people implementing it in their practice and people using it. We offer free training, we offer retrainings. We want people to use it. We track how many orders are run. We want to see that the orders run go up, not just necessarily accounts sold. Right, because we want this to be a business process change. Uh, for law firms and lawyers, and, and we want to track that they're using it. If we see that firms are not using it, we reach out and say, hey, do you guys need a training? We don't want people to like just buy because they feel pressured and then not use it. That's not what we're looking for. Like I signed up for masterclass and then I never yeah, used exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Or like a gym membership. Like, right. No, I not, use my gym membership. Well, I don't. Now I obviously. Use, I know. Yeah. But and how it works is it's real simple. You get the PDF from opposing counsel. You upload it into the system. It's literally a drag and drop. We extract all the questions. You click a button. Your client gets a text message with the questions. They fill out the answers. The answers come back to you. There's a box. You can edit them if you need to. You can insert objections with one click instead of copying and pasting. Then you click a button that says create discovery and it puts it all onto a finalized Microsoft Word document that's perfectly formatted and it's done in you know an hour instead of a week. Wow. So let's say who does discovery typically? Most of the time it's paralegals or legal staff and then the attorneys oversee it to make sure it's accurate before it gets sent out to opposing counsel. Okay. So let's say a paralegal is yeah. doing the discovery. How much time do you think they get back from using this tool? Yeah. Great question. Uh, we ran a survey before we launched the product because I wanted to see, is my firm just inefficient? 
with this I'm sure it was. <laughs> and, and it was, and it was. But I'm like, is, am I the only one? Um, and typically what we found, we surveyed 100 paralegals and lawyers, and what they said is 70% said that most of the time spent in litigation is spent on written discovery. So wow. not complaints, not trials, not depositions. Most of their time, vast majority, most of their time is spent on written discovery. So we take something that normally takes you know, 10 hours, eight to 10 hours of work, and now it takes one to two hours of work. So depending on how many cases you get a month, right? If you're filing 10 cases a month and you're getting 10 sets of discovery, each set of discovery would be a 10 hour process, which is now two hours. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been, the feedback has been great. Like you said, I'm sure you've talked to your clients. Yep. And so it's been great to see that this is something that's helping. And um, it's something that just takes the tedious parts off of people's plates. Yeah, so it's cutting the time by what, 80%? Yeah, on the, on the time spent on discovery, about 80%. And of course, paralegals do a lot more than just written discovery. Right. So I would say overall, it probably you know gives them back 30, 35% of their day. Um, wow. Other time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like um, I think it's fair to say, and what we've heard from a lot of our clients is that, hey, I was about to go hire a new paralegal or I was mm -hmm. about to bring on another part time employee. And instead, I use this as a stopgap to see. And then I never needed to hire that extra person. So that's been really cool. Well, then hear. they should call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? I feel like everyone's like freaking out about AI and talking about AI really in the terms of like chat, mm -hmm. GPT, right? Mm -hmm. But there are so many companies that are AI based yeah. and it's like they've been around for yeah. a couple of years and it's like, well, that is AI. Like yeah. when we talk about how to utilize AI in your firms, this is one of the ways, yeah. right? I would argue even up is another way yep. for demand letters. Like there are these services and everyone's wondering how is AI going to change our industry? It already has. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that what happened when ChatGPT got released was AI became mainstream because ChatGPT is really easy to use. Yes. Um, before that, it was for the engineers, the developers that were able to play with the code and do what they needed it to do. And the format in which it got released and the large language models that got released became really easy for everyone to use. And then it became on the forefront of everyone's minds. Now, the technology that they're using with large language models and the vector um, that there's and the vector banks and stuff that they're using is amazing. And so there is kind of AI pre GPT and then right. AI post. Um, and it's really, really exciting where it's going because it's taking what we were already doing, as you mentioned, and now we're going to be able to turbocharge it. So we've gotten access to the API and we're building out some really cool features over the next three, six, nine months. We've got a whole product roadmap that we're super excited about uh, what we can do with the new technology. So That's amazing. Yeah, to answer the quick question on, um, on how it's gonna change your practice, you're absolutely right. A lot of it has already changed our practice, but you have to be open to the change. And I think that's hard for a lot of lawyers that have been around for 10, 20, 30 years. Hey, what I've been doing is working. I don't wanna change anything. Um, so I think people have to be open to, let me see what's out there. Let me see if it's a fit. Let me try it out. It's okay if I spend 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, 2,000 bucks, and it doesn't work. Yeah, because if it does, like the reward is, like it's absurd. But it's funny because it reminds me of like the yellow pages, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When like those firms that didn't adapt to Google, mm -hmm. I mean, look at what happened to Blockbuster, right? It's like, this is, there's a big change right now. And yeah. this is some of the 
I would argue, really beneficial in easy ways that firms can adapt, right? And as long as they make sure that it is used by their staff, Mm -hmm. right? And like you said, you don't want it to just be like something that they pay for but aren't using. And that shows that you really care. Yeah. Yeah, I think the term they use is they call it shelfware, right? Mm. Instead of software, right? Which is you buy it and it just sits on the shelf and you never really use it. Uh, You don't want that. And you don't want that for your client. You don't want that for your company. That's not what you want to be known as. And that's not what you want your client saying about you. And and you're not really making a difference. Then why do you even, what's your purpose in existing if you're not there to actually have people use it? Implementation is probably the biggest hurdle, I think, for most law firms is they don't want to disrupt whatever the machine is currently doing. And then they're like, well, I don't want to upset my paralegals or ruin my systems and I got to learn this whole new thing. But but what you said is exactly right, is if you don't do it, someone else is going to, and you have to make that change sooner or later. There is a, a great book I read called Crossing the Chasm, and mm-hmm. it talks about marketing service businesses, um, and, but they talk about these kind of different categories of potential customers, and there's the early adopters, and then there's like the late adopters and the stragglers at the end, and the benefits that the early adopters get is they obviously get to get a leg up on everybody the benefits that the late adopters get is oftentimes they don't, you know, there's risks that early adopters take, right? They try something new, it doesn't work. They've wasted a little bit of money. They've wasted a little bit of time. Um, but it shows clearly that the, that the benefits do outweigh the risks in trying to be an early adopter. You don't want to make any kind of extinction level mistakes in your practice. Um, but going and trying something new that could really improve your practice by 30, 40, 50%, whatever it may be, whether it's ours or someone else's thing. And then, you know, try it for a month or two months. It doesn't work. It's, there's really no, the downside really isn't there. So how does it work? Do you guys have a contract? Uh, we have two ways. We have a month to month. So, um, and then a year. And the reason we did the month to month, I know a lot of software companies, they want people to sign a year or two year contract. Uh, but for us, we're like, you're, no, you're going to know within a month whether it's a good fit for you or not. And we stand by our product. And if it's not good, then you can cancel and you don't have to use it. And you're not stuck paying us for something you're not using. And the million dollar question, how much does it cost and how does it work? Million dollars. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it's 500 a month for 10 users, 495 a month for 10 users. And we did that because most firms kind of fit into that mold. And so yeah. they don't have to worry too much about buying extra licenses and this and that. It's like, here, you get 10 users, whether you use one, two, three, or up to 10 you're in that same bucket. That's really reasonable. Thank you. Yeah, we think so. And like we, I, I would have thought they would have been per user. Like most yeah. uh, softwares, they are per user. Yeah, they are. And um, we thought about that. We've gone back and forth on it. But when I ran a law firm, I really hated the per user uh, yeah. pricing because it's always like, <laughs> yes. who's going to get a license? Do I really need the extra license? Yeah. Oh, no, I let Lisa go. Now I got to delete her license and so So what happens if somebody needs 12 users do they have to purchase two 10 yeah yeah, we have another bucket uh beyond 10 we go per user okay awesome yeah yeah. cool and what's the cost for that uh it's 79 a user per month so 500 for 10 for the first 10 most firms kind of fit into that and then we do 79 a user per month and then we offer what happens if it gets to 20 yeah we just do a 79 a user per month for the next 10 and then usually what happens in most firms is there's a small group of people that are doing the discovery, right? You may have a firm of 200 employees, but maybe only 20 
are doing the discovery or maybe only 30 are handling it. And, and you know, when we get to that enterprise level, like we work with some large firms and large corporations that use us. And when we get to that enterprise level, there's always a discussion of what makes sense for that company. When you're at a firm that's, you know, 100 people or more, everybody's got their own systems. And so we're flexible in making it work. We're not rigid in saying like, you have to follow this model that we've created. Hey, what's gonna work for you? How many users do you really need? How much discovery are you really doing? Let's figure out what makes sense at this enterprise level for you. Got it. And what is the pricing if they want to sign up for a year? Yeah, so for a year, we offer a bit of a discount. If you're not afraid of commitment and you commit for the year, you basically get 12 months for the price of 10. So you, Got it. you basically get two months free. So instead of 495 a month, which would be 6000 for the year, essentially, you pay 5100 for the year. So it's a little bit cheaper. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, what else do we need to know? Um, we also, we all hate discovery. <laughs> and if you hate discovery, then it's definitely something to check out. Okay, so I think everyone's probably wondering, like, who is using you? Like, yeah, is, yeah. is this something that people recommend? And I know I've done my own um, background check. Yeah. But are there any firms that you can mention that are using them that maybe yeah. are known firms? Yeah, of course. I mean, we have over 300 law firms using us across the country. We've got uh, large corporations using us. I have NDAs on those. I can't name them. But um, some of the firms, Claggett and Sykes in Nevada uses us, uh, Panache, Boyle, Rabaputi. I would hope. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and they started using it before I started working there, for the record. Okay. So that's important to know. For the record. Yeah, for the record. And, um, you know, Trial Lawyers for Justice, Nick Rowley's firm uses us. Um, a Hamanpour, Arash Hamanpour's firm, Hamanpour Law Firm uses us. So, you know, quite a few. Um, BD&J. Uh, Got it. God, the list goes on. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, is there, what? so what is the process? If I'm a firm and I want to start using your services, do you guys set up a call, go through a demo? Yeah. Um, is there an activation fee? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so a couple options. Some people really just want to not interact with humans, which I understand. So I, can, yeah, I would yeah. love to not interact with humans right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you could go to the website, Esquire Tech. That's EsquireTEK.com. You can self-educate. There's a demo video on the website, so you can watch the demo video on the website. There's a free trial. You can sign up. You can run a couple documents through the system to really get a feel for it for yourself oh, to wow. see if it's a fit. And if it's a fit, then you can move forward. You can request a demo if you want to have a demo done by a live person, and we have account executives that will do a demo for you on your schedule. It takes about 30 minutes and answer all your questions. So depending on kind of how everybody kind of buys things differently or likes to test things out differently. And, and I encourage everybody to check out the reviews. You know, we've got reviews on Google and Facebook and G2 everywhere. They're all five stars and, and they're all, you know, people that use the product. How quickly can someone get up and running? Oh, 10 minutes. I mean, they can sign up and upload a document and they're, they're done. Wow. Yeah. And is there an activation fee? There is an activation fee, um, $295, but Per user? No, no, just a one-time. Yeah, for the firm, one hundred one-time, two hundred ninety-five dollar activation fee. But if they come from Law Rank, we will waive the activation fee. So use code Law Rank. Law Rank. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. So enough about you and your company. <laughs> Let's go back to AI. Yeah. How do you think that's going to affect law firms? Besides, yeah. Besides, like the cool softwares that we're seeing. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
it's really amazing. I'm, I'm, I am very optimistic, right? There's, there's kind of two schools of thought that are going on with AI. Some people... In life in general. <laughs> yeah, right? Some people that are more pessimistic, they'll say yeah. like, oh man, they're not, people are not going to need lawyers anymore. They're going to use AI and this is going to eliminate jobs. I, I think it's going to create a lot of jobs, right? I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities that are created with AI. What my hope is for the future of law with AI is that more cases are decided on their merits rather than the resources of a particular firm, right? Interesting. Okay. Because a lot of times you've got big firm, big yeah. corporation, tons of resources going against a smaller firm, maybe somebody starting off as a solo that doesn't have these resources. Right. Now they've got these tools, whether it may be Esquire Tech or any other company or just ChatGPT itself to help them formulate their thoughts quicker, uh, give them starting points on discussions quicker, writing emails quicker, doing some research quicker. There's, there's, great, uh, there's great products out there. One of my favorites is Co-Counsel by Case Text. They're not paying me to say that. <laughs> you know, uh, it's really great because you can go in there, you can type in a legal issue. They've got all the legal research there. When you're doing legal research, as any lawyer knows or any law clerk or law student knows, when you're doing legal research, you start with this universe of cases. There's a gajillion cases out there. You have to narrow it down to the 10 or 15 cases that are relevant to you. Then you have to read those cases and really narrow it down to the three to five cases that pertain to your particular situation. So that process takes a couple of hours because you're trying to go through this ocean of cases to find the location and the spot that's right for you. Now with co-counsel and with these other AI tools that are out there, you can get there faster. So it's not going to replace lawyers, but it's going to allow us to do more. And what it's going to do is it's going to allow firms to take on more clients. A lot of times when firms decide to take on a client, they have to make the decision about whether the case is economically viable, right? Right. Whether it's going to make sense of how much effort we have to put into this case to what it's gonna, how much it's going to cost the client, whether you're billing hourly or how much fees are there at the end of the day, because it has to make sense for time that you're putting in. Anybody in any business knows that. This thing with AI and the tools that are coming out, and remember, it's only a couple months old. It's going to allow lawyers to take on cases that they normally wouldn't have taken on in the past because it's not going to take as many resources to get to the answer, to get to the conclusion. And so I'm very optimistic, not only for lawyers and law firms of what it means from a business perspective, but just from a justice perspective of where I think it's going to help the general public. There was some study done a couple of years ago that said 70 plus percent of legal issues are never handled by a lawyer. Wow, that's crazy. And so this create there's a huge blue ocean of of work and justice that needs to be done. That, yeah, because it's not lucrative, I get it. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I was writing an amendment today for a contract and I asked a lawyer, I was like one of our clients, I was like, You're a lawyer, help me with this. He goes, Chat GPT, just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And literally within two seconds I had the perfect sentence. And I was yeah. like, He's like, hey, I was pretty close because like he had said it, but then he was like, oh, maybe check chat GPT. Yeah. And totally worked. I copied and pasted it, done, sent. Like, it's it a the, great tool. And I don't even have the, up, the upgraded version, which is funny because the other day I was arguing with it and I was like, how does it not know? Like, it's wrong. Yeah. I didn't know that it, it didn't have like newer data. Right. And then I, so I actually felt better at first. I was like, oh, I'm glad it was wrong. So it can't take <laughs> yeah. over the world. Yeah. And then someone's like, oh, it only runs through 2021. I'm like, so it was right. 
like, back oh. then, right? Yeah, and it kept like arguing with me. Yeah, and I was like, "But you're wrong." He was like, "No, I am not wrong." And I'm like, "Yes, you are." I could just imagine you getting into this argument. Well, I was, but then I got scared. I was like, maybe I shouldn't be arguing with it. I was like, okay, thank you so much. You're the best. I'm like friendly to it because I'm like legit a little bit like... For sure. I think it's a bit... Oh my God, it's going to re- it's gonna listen to this. Yeah, it is. Oh my God, that is so yeah. scary. Yeah, and I, and I want to say for anybody using ChatGPT, which most people are these days, it's super simple to use, but you can't use it like Google. You have to really give it instructions. Yes, you do. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like you have to say like in an like in an authoritative voice mm-hmm. or I want this in a friendly manner or I want this in a really like chill way. Like you have to tell it exactly. And then even when it gives you something, you can like add to it. You can be like, well, can you try that again? But mm-hmm. this way, or I like this, but not this. And then like, it'll literally just keep going. It's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing. It's like having kind of a semi assistant that can, that you're trained, you're a smarter, training, a more <laughs> eloquent. <laughs> that doesn't call in sick. That yeah. doesn't. <laughs> Just kidding. It's just there. Yeah. Oh my God. What if it called out sick one day? What if it was like, I'm sick? Yeah. And like it wouldn't respond. Well, I'm sure the server will go down once in a while. Sometimes it's not available. But what I was going to really? say is. I've is, never had that. Oh. Well, usually if it's too busy, it'll say like, you know, if you're on the upgraded version, then they is leave it worth space it? for you. The upgraded I, yeah, one? I think it is. How much is it? 20 bucks a month. Oh, dude, that's so worth it. Yeah, it's worth I it. I need to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it. I was honestly like hesitant. I didn't like. They launched it and I waited like two months to use it. Right. I was like weirded out by it. You know, it's only a couple months old and it's so advanced. So it's really, when you think about where it's going to be two years from now, three years from now, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Uh, It's growing at such an exponential rate and everybody's kind of using the APIs to build out their own relevant niche niche, uh, part of their, their industry, right? Whether it's Expedia using it or OpenTable using it, where you can now say like, hey, I want to take my wife on a nice dinner date in this part of town. I'm not looking to spend more than $200. Can you find me a place that's Italian food uh, with good parking and has this dish and that dish? Da, 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 da. And I'll say, okay, here it is. And it'll go make the reservation for you. So it's really cool in that sense that when you get these APIs and you get these companies using them and building out their specific use case, how cool it's going to be six months from now. All the things you can do. Hey, I'm trying to travel to Mexico and I want to leave. Why did you state. say Mexico? Is it just from Mexico? Well, I was going to say Utah, but I didn't want you to think I was promoting our conference, PSVR <laughs> Playbook Live, June 1st. Wait, I want to ask you, what, what's it like working for Brian? It's amazing. It's great. I mean, what are you going to say? What am I going to say? He's not going to listen, so it doesn't matter. I, I know. Could, but... I could speak freely. You can't shit talk at one of them. No, he's great. No, I know uh, no, he is. Great, yeah. But no, I mean it more like, like it must be like really neat to work for him. It's it's really neat to see the firm, right? I think when I was on the outside running my own firm for 10 years, I've only been with the firm a little over a year. I didn't really know all of the lawyers in the firm. I didn't know the deep level of talent that exists at the firm. And I don't want this to sound like just, you know, some commercial for the firm, but but it really is the case is when you look at an attorney like, you know, you got Brian and then you got Rahul and then you got Spencer He's Lucas so nice. and then you got, Bro. you know, and, yeah, and then you got Robert Glassman and you got Erica Contreras and you got all these great attorneys at the firm that are wonderful trial lawyers in their own right, even outside of Brian, right? So it's it's not a one-man firm, and I think that was really eye-opening for me to see is 
you know, David Rudorfer, who outside of the firm, I'd never even heard of him before. And in the last six months, he's had two eight-figure verdicts, one for 30-plus million, another for 13 million. And it's like they just have so much talent. And so there, there's definitely a training and a culture of winning and pushing and trying to get the best for your client that I really love being a part of. That's amazing. Yeah. I got to get him on the podcast. Yeah, we can do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we should. He'd be a much better guest than me. Oh, I'm, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would argue with that. Oh, well, come on. There might be some people who would argue. Your mother. Yeah, no, she wouldn't. <laughs> she would. Oh, fuck, dude. If your own mother. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, the other thing I was going to say on the chat GPT, just going back to that, is obviously you have to be careful, right? We want to put that caveat out there. Careful that, how? That don't, you don't just rely on it. And I think what's going to happen with AI, too, is everybody... <laughs> Write my closing argument. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Number one, you have ethical issues you have to consider. You can't be putting your client's confidential information on there because Ooh. the terms and conditions of OpenAI, the company that owns ChatGPT, is that they retain all that information and help train their modules on it. So wow. you want to make sure that if you're going to use these public things that... You understand the security behind it. You understand that you're not violating any or potentially violating any ethical rules. So when it comes to specific use cases in, in your particular case or for your particular client, you want to be careful. Um, and and I, I probably wouldn't recommend anybody use it just yet for those kinds of specific use cases. If they want to ask more generic terms that, hey, I have a case in Nevada where a employee went to a site and got hurt, what are the workers' comp rules and the tort rules in Nevada? And that's a general case or a general question. That's a much better use for that tool. So you're not using your particular client's confidential information. So you got to be careful with that. Number two is a lot of times the information it spits out is pretty accurate, but you have to do your own due diligence as a lawyer. Don't let them do the lawyering for you. You don't want to submit a motion, write down case law, write down arguments, and it turns out that it's incorrect. And sometimes it is incorrect. Most of the time it's right, but it'll take a piece of a case out that maybe is dicta and isn't really part of the reasoning, the final reasoning in the case. You still want to read the cases yourself. You still want to make sure that it's accurate. You want to use it in the right way. Right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But I could see how someone will eventually get in trouble. It's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think it's going to make good lawyers better, and it's going to make bad lawyers worse. You probably said it perfectly. I say a lot I, of things perfectly, Maria. <laughs> we agreed we were not going to banter. So okay. <laughs> Pratik and I have a lot of banter. Um, and we, well, I agreed I wouldn't be mean to him. Yes, that's true. She's very mean. I am very mean. But you started it. So, no. not the meanest, Maybe. but the banter. Oh, fair. Yes, yeah, that's so. true. Yes, that's your yeah. your fault. Yeah, but we are who we are. We are who we yeah. are. So, what can yeah. we do about it? Where's Mariano? He's not real. Stop. You. He's my favorite. I know. So this is this is one thing. Last time I, so we met at a conference, and last time that I brought Mariano to a conference. Pratik told me that he liked him better than me. <laughs> well, so that was I mean, the last time. The best part is his name. It's Maria No, which is, when you told me that. Did you laugh? I was laughing was literally out loud. Wasn't it an Insta story? It, I, don't, I don't remember where. Maybe it was an Insta story. I'm not sure. But I was like, that is so perfect. 
I know. I should have listened to. I'm glad I didn't listen to the signs of the universe. Because <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I really did back then. was like, maybe it's a sign. Oh, no. Yeah. No, he's great. No, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm glad I didn't like take my craziness of like, you know, signs yeah. to that extent. Maybe if you had asked chat GPT, maybe. wonder what it would have said. We should ask it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think, like, how would I phrase it? Man. Do you think that? That's another caveat. Don't take relationship and love advice from ChatGPT. I don't know. It might actually have like some really good advice. There's only one way to find out. I'm going to. <laughs> you know what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not going to see me for the rest of the conference. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Maria? She's. Maybe it acts like a therapist. Yeah. But what just if you think know about that OpenAI could... is going to have all, whatever information you put into it. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. I mean, for me, whatever I'm going to put into it. Marno yelled at me for not doing the dishes. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know. But okay, but if you think about it, couldn't it be like a way for it? Okay, so let's just back up. What if they did an AI version therapist and now like their own like preconceived notions and like there's no filter of that person, right? So like now it's just giving you like really like factual advice, like... That, you, that, you know what I mean? No, that's a great point. And there's there's a lot of talk of that, not only just obviously with therapy, but even in the judicial space and juries and things like that is, hey, can this try, can this help eliminate inherent bias? Wow. That's crazy. And, and but they, then, it, but but then it's know. like, how do you make sure that the algorithm isn't biased? Exactly. And that's, that's the next level, right? It's like, one, can this help avoid implicit bias that exists out there and make it more fair. And then two is how do we know that it's doing that and it just doesn't have a different kind of bias? Right. Right? It may have a bias towards people that write a certain way because that's the prompt you put in. Or it may be able to recognize tones of voice and be biased towards one versus another. And, you know, look, time will tell and there's going to be trial and error and things and some things are going to work the way we intend them to work and some of them aren't but overall over the next decade or two decades i'm very optimistic about where it's going to go how it's going to uh, proceed and and the results what they are going to be particularly in the legal industry yeah it's it's fascinating and like the time that we've gotten to be a part of which was like total luck right like yeah. or I, who knows maybe it wasn't but is like crazy because we've lived through like the inception of the internet mm-hmm. and so quickly now here's another huge shift. Right. Right. Yeah. So what's interesting about AI is it, it's got its limitations, right? Like chat GPT, you have to, we were talking about being careful about where you use it and you don't want to be getting medical advice from it. You don't want to be getting relationship <laughs> advice. Maybe, I don't know. You don't. I, I wonder what would happen if I, if I tried well, I, I saw this, you know, one of these cool YouTube videos or Instagram videos where this guy was, you know, trying to date and he just went into ChatGPT and was like, put in the profile information of the girl he was texting and said, this is what she's all into and I need to text her an opening line to start the conversation. And he just got examples from ChatGPT and just started using it. That's crazy. Yeah. People are worried that it's going to take over Google. You know, I think there's some things that probably it can help with, right? Because it can help you get right to the answer. Like, 
one of the most annoying things I think we all deal with is if I'm looking up a recipe because I want to cook dinner or my wife's going to cook dinner or whoever's cooking dinner that night and I got to read somebody's life story before I get to... Yeah, I fucking hate that. It's the worst. I just don't... I don't get it. Yeah, and so, you know, ChatGPT is great for that, right? Because I can just say... Okay, but what if, like, somebody Googles car accident lawyer? Yeah, well, ChatGPT is going to say, hey, I can't give you... I can't tell you... You know, picking a lawyer is a very personal choice and there's a lot of factors that go into it so it's not going to make recommendations i just want people to hear from you yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because if i say it people are going to think it's like oh unbiased, right 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 with law rank right yes. but it, it yeah it's not going to make recommendations and 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 you shouldn't rely on it to make recommendations because just like with anything you know picking a doctor picking a lawyer picking an accountant it's all situational based and you want to find the lawyer that makes sense for you for your particular situation and it just can't really quite give you that. Yeah, well, I would assume it's going to be careful in three areas, which Google's really careful in these three areas, and they call it your money, your life, which is finances, health, and law. Yeah. Those three areas, they're scrutinized because yeah. they affect your money or your life. Yeah. Right? So I would assume that it's the same concept. It's going to be really careful with those three things. Yeah, and that makes sense. Totally. I mean, it, sense. it, it makes sense. you're like, of course. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like You can't rely duh. on it for these kind of big decisions, right? You shouldn't be asking ChatGPT which accountant to hire. Right. Like if you're running a business and you've got taxes, you're going to deal with the IRS. If the IRS comes after you and audits you, you can't be like, oh, well, ChatGPT told me to do it. That's not going to work. So... <laughs> You know, pick your accounts carefully, pick your lawyers carefully, pick your doctors carefully. And I, I didn't know about that big three, but that makes yeah. a ton of sense. Totally. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really me. appreciate it. I know we've been talking yeah. about potentially doing this forever. So This is great. No, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Pratik for everything he shared with us today. If you found the story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way in helping others discover the show.